90%, the share of NYCHA units that are at risk of no longer being cost-effective to repair by 2027 at the current rate of deterioration, according to CBC analysis. The New York City Housing Authority is in bad shape. The five-year capital needs of its 176,000 housing units total $32 billion. Reports on how the deterioration of the units have impacted tenants have been nearly constant in the last three years. Mold, lead, rodents, lack of heat in the winter, the list goes on. The state of affairs has brought NYCHA under the purview of a federal monitor. In December 2018, NYCHA released the latest in a string of strategic plans aimed at facilitating a turnaround. This plan was even more ambitious than past plans and correctly focused on maximizing use of the tools available to NYCHA to generate funding and fix units. How's that effort going? CBC's Sean Campion joins us to discuss progress, the urgency of success, and the dismal impact of failure. Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm Maria Dulles from the CBC. Thanks so much for joining us here. As you can tell, we are shifting the theme. We spent a few recent episodes on education. Catch those if you missed them. Um, We've gotten a lot of great feedback on some of them. Obviously, some really important topics from school seats to charter schools to the release of the report of the Mayor's Advisory Task Force on school desegregation. And we talked a lot about the question of what to do about gifted and talented programs amid the larger education system on the last episode. And that was a really good discussion as well. And today we shift to NYCHA, another big issue that the city needs to pay a lot of attention to and work with partners on addressing. And obviously, there are major, major crises at play. So we're happy to have Sean back with us again, a new report out, NYCHA 2.0, Progress at Risk. And this is a really important sort of check-in here because NYCHA 2.0, as Maria said, was released in December of last year. And then we are now not even a year into it, but it's important to start measuring the progress because this needs to happen fast. Otherwise, as Maria said, these units are at risk of not being worth repairing. So anyway, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me back. Um, So you want to start, Maria? Yeah. So we had you on the last time to talk about the vast capital needs at NYCHA. Mm -hmm. Um, So you should check out that episode if you haven't listened to it. But Then subsequent to that, we did our report, we did our analysis, we had our recommendations, and NYCHA used that to generate this 2.0 plan, which, as we said, is very ambitious. Give the audience a sense of what that plan consists of and what the major initiatives are and how far it would go in addressing the capital needs. Sure. Um, So earlier this year, NYCHA released their plan. They call it NYCHA 2.0. And there are two major components to the plan. The first, which they're calling Invest Preserve, is meant to um, have strategies to address their $32 billion in capital needs, in part by raising significant amounts of new funding to help fund those repairs. And I'll get into those in a second. The other piece of it is called Fix to Preserve, which is strategies both to sort of address some of their operating and maintenance issues um, and start closing the work order backlog. Our report that came out uh, earlier this month um, was really primarily focused on the first set of initiatives, Invest to Preserve. Um, and there are three primary strategies they're using to raise more funding to start uh, addressing their $32 billion in capital needs and start actually repairing tens of thousands of units that are in dire need of repair. Um, the biggest piece of it is um, 
accelerating the pace of conversions to public-private partnerships to take over the management of, of NYCHA developments and actually do the repair work. Um, and that's through their program called PACT, which is Permanent Affordability Commitment Together. Um, and that consists of converting units from traditional public housing to new funding streams available under Section 8 for a variety of subsidy programs, the, most, um, the largest of which is RAD, the Rental Assistance Demonstration Program, but NYCHA is also bringing in other subsidies as well to make these deals work. And that's, that's the biggest piece of the NYCHA 2.0 plan. So that's planning to raise um, over um, almost $13 billion to repair over 62,000 units across the city over about 10 years. The second component of the plan um, is to increase the pace of mixed income infill development on NYCHA campuses. So that's taking advantage of unused space and unused development rights that exist on the land that NYCHA already owns to build mixed income housing, usually a mix of about 70% market rate and 30% affordable units, um, which will then raise significant amounts of money that NYCHA can then reinvest in repairing the other units on the campus. Um, and they're expecting that will raise about $2 billion and fix up another 10,000 units. Um, and then the final piece is to tap into the value of those air rights in opportunities in, in developments where they can accommodate development on site by transferring those development rights to other adjacent properties, usually nearby or next door, um, to allow developments just adjacent to the NYCHA campus as well. Um, and that's expected to raise about another billion dollars or so. And our reports are looking at the progress of those three initiatives in addition to sort of the, the operational repairs. So in the aggregate, 2.0 would address how much of the need for how many units? So overall, the entire plan is about $24 billion. So that's a combination of the new money that they're raising through those initiatives that I just described, plus the existing funding that's already in their capital program through a combination of the federal subsidies, the additional money the city is putting in um, to do repairs and as part of their consent decree. Um, and then funding from the, the state and other sources as well. Let me, let me just underscore this for a second. So so some of what is in NYCHA 2.0 was carried over or sort of enhanced from the previous NYCHA next, gen, next generation plan. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of important context. But this is like with other plans that the city will put out. They, they have their new version, right? right. But the... the, the the New York City Housing Authority, the, the public housing system that has 170,000 or so apartments, well over probably 400,000 residents, um, has a five-year capital need of $32 billion. Five years, $32 billion. This NYCHA 2.0 plan is a 10-year plan and gets to $24 billion. So we're talking about some serious gaps there in the time period and the the money needed to repair just from the start, even if they were able to execute the NYCHA 2.0 plan on time and effectively. So that's just some, I think, important yeah, framing. Well, that's right, Ben. And it's really important. And I think what we have taken to saying in the office is that the NYCHA 2.0 basically stops the death spiral. Because mm -hmm. if we continue mm -hmm. at the status quo pace, like we said, with the data point, you will quickly, quickly start using units to just obsolescence right. and just being too broken to fix. Right. It's quite simple. Right. So, the, so, right. so there's a v various sort of continuum of vantage points to look at this, right? Like they have a five-year need of $32 billion. There doesn't seem to be anybody proposing anything that does that that quickly. Here's a 10-year plan. And a lot of what you've looked at at CBC in this report, but previously too, is when did these units become so disrepaired that 
it doesn't even pay to rehab them. They just become, uh, you know, it would be more cost effective almost to build new housing. So, okay. Anyway, so how is, how are things coming here in the NYCHA 2.0 plan? Um, yeah, I think you accurately described. So this is really a plan first and foremost focused on stabilizing the housing authority. Um, and accordingly, they've made most progress on sort of the RAD and PACT portion of the plan. So they've, um, at this point, they have a pipeline of about seven, about 18,000 units. Um, they've closed on a number of them already. Um, and they, you know, they have a few more that will be coming um, over the next few years. And they've primarily focused first on addressing the needs in um, the units that have the highest capital needs, usually small properties scattered throughout the city that have you know, extensive capital needs and are really inefficient to operate. And they're also focused on units that are originally built by the city and the state that aren't eligible to get federal subsidies that require NYCHA to divert funding from other developments to these developments to make them operate. So addressing those needs first will sort of, you know, sort of get out some of the, the neediest developments in the system and make it better for NYCHA to operate elsewhere. Um, the other components of the plan have largely stalled. Um, mixed income infill development, which is sort of the next biggest bucket of funding, um, at about $2 billion, largely hasn't gone anywhere. Um, so NYCHA had an existing pipeline of, of projects they had been working on for a number of years, and those have either stalled or been permanently or you know, temporarily postponed. Um, and in those cases, it's largely in response to concerns raised by some elected officials and some community groups um, about whether this development should take place at all, and also sort of on the size, the density, and the mix of affordable, uni- uh, of affordable units in these developments. Um, and I think one key component of the NYCHA 2.0 plan was not just that they're doing infill development, but they're increasing the share of market rate housing in those developments, because that's key to raising revenue to, to fund repairs. There's, a tra- there's an inherent trade-off, and I think we've raised this in some of our past work as well, um, between the share of affordable units that are included in these projects and the amount of revenue that they generate. So you can either get affordable units and get less money for repairs, or you can get more money for repairs and get a smaller share, but still a significant number of affordable units. And that's one of the tensions that that NYCHA has sort of been trying to to address. And they've come out firmly and said, we're going to build with at least 70% share of market rate units, consistent with the city's mandatory inclusionary housing policy, um, because that's the strategy that can maximize revenue for repairs and fixed units. It's CBC's general stance that that infill program needs to move quickly and aggressively. Yes. And, you know, NYCHA in many ways has sort of been the vehicle through which, you know, political will is imposed in many ways. But one of them has been, you know, this um, the kind of opposition to this infill being rooted in um, the sense that the, the land, the, this public land is going to be given up for luxury development. And really, nobody's talking about luxury. And market rate is not necessarily synonymous with luxury. And in a lot of these places, you're talking about building middle class housing, um, just not making it deeply, deeply affordable. And if NYCHA, you know, if NYCHA is going to operate more efficiently and effectively, you know, any 
CEO, leader of, you know, executive director of a nonprofit organization would look at their asset base and say, okay, how can I maximize this? And if I've got a parking lot that is underutilized and for which I'm not charging a lot of for, for use of the space anyway, it absolutely makes sense to convert that parking lot, especially in a transit rich area, um, into something that can generate money for the authority and then be, you know, go back into the development to to make the fixes for the residents who live there. Um, Not to mention the greater good of, of more housing when the city needs more housing. And even right. even and if it's a smaller percentage of affordable units, more affordable, you know. And breaking up, I mean, we're having a discussion about segregation, but breaking up the income segregation in the city. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're doing more income mixing, which has tremendous benefits in and of itself. So, so those are the two big pieces, a good bit of progress on the, the biggest piece, which includes heavily relying on the RAD program, but very limited progress on the infill development. What else? The, the, you know, the third piece is sort of uh, plans to, to monetize the value of their transferable development rights or the air rights. Um, and they're starting to make some progress on that. They have a few deals lined up, um, but and they're expecting to release, you know, uh, you know, a response for expressions of interest to developers in the fall. So that's that's potentially out there as well. That's a smaller share. The other piece of this is the labor and the management and the operations piece, which a lot of times receives less attention than sort of the you know the newsworthy developments about rad conversions and infill development, but is equally important to securing the future of NYCHA. And the fix to preserve plan included a lot of strategies to begin getting at closing their work order backlog, speeding up the pace at which they do repairs, addressing lead and mold and other uh, you know, f- issues of physical deterioration, and then also working with, on the labor side to try to improve um, the way that they maintain their buildings by modernizing work schedules to allow people to actually do work in evenings and weekends when residents are home, um, you know, just to improve general quality of life. Um, and all those fixes require changes to collective bargaining. Um, and a lot of those initiatives as well either, you know, frankly aren't working um, or have had some mixed results. Um, and particularly, on, you know, on closing the work orders, um, we find looking at the data that, you know, the average time to complete repairs is still going up. The total number of, of work orders is still rising. Some of that could be data quality that may actually be reporting more honestly. Um, about you know work orders that are getting closed, work that's actually getting done, discovering new work as they go in and actually inspect departments. So it could be you know it's hard to say you know if that's you know directionally up or down with where they're making progress. The labor and management piece is much more stark. So they recently reached an agreement with the collective, the bargaining unit that represents caretakers to you know do these new alternative schedules, um, which probably will have some positive effect on quality of life. Uh, for tenants, but also comes at a high price. So the city is has you know, agreed with NYCHA and the labor union to bear most of the cost of the increases uh, of the increased labor costs as part of these collective bargaining agreements. And now, in this you know, current um, city budget that just passed in June, the city is paying over 100 million dollars a year just to cover the cost of increased collective bargaining, uh, not just from this deal, but also previous deals that the, the administration has struck. Um, and that NYCHA hasn't even gotten to the rest of its bargaining unit. So there's the maintenance workers who rejected a similar deal. They're now in arbitration with the city. Um, and then there's the skilled trades as well, the plumbers, carpenters, painters, who are doing a lot of the, you know, 
the work needed to close the work order backlog um, and that are responsible for a significant amount of NYCHA's overtime budget. Um, they haven't even started to get you know, some of the issues there in terms of how to bring down those costs and do repairs more cost effectively. Um, so there's just still a lot of work to be done there that isn't even being touched yet. I mean, for this plan to work, they've got to really hit on all fronts. Right. And the labor piece is a significant one that's not moving forward. The management stuff has kind of yet to line up. Um, and then there are these obstacles now on the part of the plan that are to generate the revenue and facilitate, you know, make the and, and make so facilitate the revenue and then also make the dollars count for more. Um, so the prospects are not looking good unless things start to really change. Uh, one area where there's been a modest change has been the state because the state has promised some funding. It sort of, you know, stopped funding NYCHA back in the 90s um, and promises funding and now gave a little bit more in the recent budget. And it seems poised to finally release that funding to NYCHA. Well, and we're talking about a few hundred million dollars, though, right? Yeah, it's about $450 million that the state appropriated back in 2016 and 2017. The governor sort of dragged his feet on releasing that money to NYCHA for a number of years. Um, and seems that they finally reached an agreement between the city and the state and NYCHA about how they're going to spend that money. The monitor has to sign off on it, which I, at least as, as of last week, I don't think he had. Um, so it's still not in NYCHA's coffers, I don't think, yet. Um but that will start. That one will be freed up now to do some work on, you know, boilers, fixing boilers, repairing roofs, things that NYCHA had been waiting to do for a number of years. And, you know, frankly, the, the, this is a, a good example of the cost of delays. If they'd gotten this money two years ago, you know, they could have done a lot more work. And now just everything is more expensive. Everything is more deteriorated. You know, they're going to get less bang for their buck than they would have if they had gotten that money. Right. NYCHA at the same time is doing roofs, boilers, mm-hmm. lead mold, rats, uh, I mean, right. you name it, really, yeah. you know, and there's there's an immense backlog. I mean, that's how you get to $30 billion mm-hmm. in needed repairs, right? Yeah. Um, so, so in the grand scheme of $30 billion, $450 million isn't nothing, um, but it's also, you know, it's the kind of money that, that does need to move to its, uh, you know, its end quickly in terms of actually, as you say, getting there and being spent and being used well. Um, so that seems like maybe it's going to move a little quicker than it has over the last few years uh, soon. And what about the federal side of things? I mean, when we hear Mayor de Blasio talk about NYCHA and lots of other folks, they point to a lack of federal partnership. What's the sort of story there when it comes to this NYCHA 2.0 plan and the mm-hmm. and the 30 plus billion dollars of need? Yeah. Um, so one thing that, that city officials frequently point to is that one of the root causes of NYCHA's distress in recent years is the result of historic underfunding on the part of the federal government and also federal laws and regulations that make it really difficult to operate and maintain public housing, not just in New York, but across the country. Um, and the NYCHA 2.0 plan um, assumes that it's going to make use of some new federal initiatives, things like RAD, that are intended to you know, start addressing some of these deficiencies uh, and, and um, deterioration over the years, but there's still a lot more the federal government can do and needs to do to allow NYCHA to actually implement this plan. So the plan assumes some federal action, you know, on the on the piece on the, the RAD piece, which is you know 13 billion of the 24. 
um, it assumes that the, that HUD is going to allow NYCHA to make use of some alternative subsidies, um, which we don't need to get necessarily into all the weeds here. You can read our report for more information <laughs> on, on all the, the, the technical details. But um, NYCHA is assuming that HUD is going to give them permission and funding to make use of more lucrative subsidies than what's available under RAD that would let them both do more conversions um, and minimize the amount of subsidy that the city and the state need to put in to these deals as well. Um, so that assumes some fair auctions. It may ha- may or may not happen. It's yet to see whether that will work. Um, and then on top of that, there's a lot more federal funding and regulatory relief that both HUD and Congress and the White House could offer to NYCHA and other public housing authorities that would let them do more with the funding that they have. And one criticism of the agreement that, that NYCHA and the city reached with HUD and the federal prosecutors is that the federal government didn't come to the table in that agreement offering some of that, either both funding or regulatory relief that would let NYCHA um, you know, sort of do more with the federal money that it gets, increase funding um, to make up for some of the, you know, the historical underfunding over you know, the last two decades. Um, and also some regulatory relief that will let them, you know, do procurement, uh, you know, faster, hire better contractors, um, you know, speed up the pace of repairs, give them some flexibility in how they use their money or reinvest savings, um, you know, create new funding streams for RAD conversions. There's a whole host of things that, that the federal government hasn't done that they could do. And do we have any budget. sense of why the federal government would be loath to allow that? Is that something? Well, it's a, it's a bit of chicken and egg too, because mm-hmm. as NYCHA has started to slip and the conditions have deteriorated, certainly funding has been or lack thereof has been a big piece of it. But there's also been, um, you know, serious concerns about management at NYCHA, and um, those concerns had led the federal government to get tighter and tighter mm-hmm. with the reins of how they give money and what they require from NYCHA in order to do things. Mm-hmm. So t- I think to the extent, and the federal monitor is focused on this. That office can help facilitate, you know, an improved management structure at NYCHA that gives the federal government confidence. Then I think they're poised to go back and say, please, you know, this is what we need to be even more mm-hmm. effective and to actually get these dollars to go as far as they can. And not only is there a, new, a recently appointed federal monitor, but there's also a new chair and CEO of NYCHA, Greg Russ, who comes from Minneapolis and other mm-hmm. places where he's led public housing authorities. Um we are very interested in having Chair Russ join us to talk NYCHA once he gets a little more settled over at the Housing Authority. But that's part of his job as well is to reassess management structures and processes and all that and, and really try to reinvent the, the Housing Authority while working with the monitor and working with City Hall and other partners. So he has a major uh, task in front of him, obviously. But I also did want to go back to you know, the, the prior full-time chair, uh, Sholo Latoye, who, when she joined us fairly early, I believe it was in the Trump administration, one of the biggest things she said to us was, well, one of the silver linings of someone like Trump coming in to be president, or maybe even any Republican president, is they might want to ease up on some of the regulatory burden because that's often, you know, sort of a, a conservative uh, mindset is to sort of let loose on some of the regulations. So, we haven't necessarily seen that yet, but that would be very interesting to sort of follow up on and also ask NYCHA and the monitor, you know, what their plan is for pushing for that. Um, what else do we need to be thinking about as we look ahead here? Um, NYCHA 2.0 is still early in its 
implementation. But as I was saying before, it's also pieces that have been rolled over. And obviously, some of these problems plaguing NYCHA have been very clear for a while. There's been talk about this um, RAD expansion for a long time. There's been talk about the infill development for a long time. So, I mean, I suppose one of the biggest things, if RAD is moving along fairly quickly, is is the infill development is really where if something's going to give to help this move along quicker, there's the regulations. Well, I want to give a, con- a little bit of context. You know, New York City was late to RAD. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, previous public housing programs at the federal level that other housing authorities and other cities took advantage of that we did not. Um, and so what, you know, it, it, it took a lot of time to bring some key um, elected officials along on RAD and its usefulness and why it was important to do, including the mayor including the former chair of the Public Housing Committee on the City Council, Richie Torres. But I think as things became more grim and it was apparent that this is a tool that's available, that NYCHA can avail itself of, that can produce real revenue and really impact the tenant quality of life, you know, the consensus started to build that this was a good path forward for NYCHA. And, you know, I want to be optimistic and think that, okay, we'll get to the same point on infill soon, maybe. Well, the mayor certainly come around to be more right. more supportive of it than he was in the past, but he right. seems to really need to put his political capital behind it and and move it through. And you know, at a recent speech she gave, Deputy Mayor Vicky Bean, who recently came in as the new Deputy Mayor for Housing and Economic Development, basically said, mm-hmm. "We can't really afford to have all this stalling on development, and we're going to push ahead." You know, if 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 folks who are opposed to the development have other plans, let's hear them. But without a different plan, this is the plan. Well, I mean, that's the fundamental problem. There is no plan B. Um, so community discussion is good. And certainly you want to talk to tenants and get accommodate any concerns if, you know, they're reasonable and such. But th- this is it. This is the one and only plan. And as we said at the top of the program, it w- still won't solve all the problems. Right. So this is the best shot to doing as much as possible. Anything else you want to add? Uh, the only other thing that just popped to mind for me, too, is the sale of air rights, which may be a little less controversial. Um, but again, we're getting sort of down the scale of what's supposed to bring in the money, right? As, as soon as we go from the, the RAD and other programs like that to the infill, and then once we go further down the list from there, you know, we're talking about less bang for the buck. But that is another another key aspect to watch. I think it'll be interesting to watch too is, is how NYCHA gets creative and bring all these tools together to start addressing some of their capital needs. It's like like at Fulton Houses, for example, in Chelsea, where they're proposing to, you know, do both RAD and infill development and use it in a way to sort of strategically reconstruct the the, the campus there in, in a way to sort of, you know, both bring in a lot more money and also bring in better management at the same time um, to really sort of mm-hmm. creatively you know, th- rethink how New York City owns and operates public housing and how it fits into the broader fabric of the city. Right. That's a really good point. I mean, all these different dimensions that we're talking about do work together in different ways. And it's not, as you said, Sean, the headline grabbing stuff necessarily, but just how efficiently and effectively are the roof and boiler replacements going? You know, for example, how is the mold and lead remediation going? I mean, these are things that are not necessarily the big approvals for RAD or infill, but they're essential. And they're also going to go back to the structure that the the monitor and the new chair are um, are looking at. 
And the other part of that is, yes, you can play, you can place a lot of that responsibility, obviously, at management's feet, but it's not going to get done and it's not going to improve if labor is not also at the table talking about it um, and, you know, willing to come to some sort of resolution on changing the collective bargaining rules to make the work happen more efficiently and effectively. And I mean, best case scenario, even if NYCHA 2.0 is, is executed flawlessly, everything goes according to plan. And they fix up 80,000 units. NYCHA is still going to have over 100,000 units of public housing that's going to continue to own and operate for the long term, at least in, you know, as until NYCHA 3.0 and 4.0 comes along. And they're going to have to come up with better ways to manage it. They're going to have to come up with better ways to operate it. And you know, hopefully some of the work that the Federal Monitor do, and we're seeing now NYCHA coming up with action plans, working with consultants to come up with, you know, what's the best way to operate this going forward are vital questions too. And that's, that's, that's just political will. That's, you know, those are negotiations with labor and management. People are on the ground operating these buildings and holding them accountable and setting up structures to modernize how NYCHA manages his housing. And that's not just money. That's, you know, that's political yeah, that, action. That's right. That's a lot of that. And that's, you know, with, um, just over two years left in Mayor de Blasio's term, you know, the next mayor's race absolutely is going to include a question of, all right, what's your plan for NYCHA, you know, and we'll have a lot more information when that really gets going about how NYCHA 2.0 is progressing. And obviously, Sean will look for several more reports from you in the interim on the on the progress, but also we're going to see more from the federal monitor, as you say, and from the new chair, and we'll see if the federal government, you know, is doing anything about regulations, much less funding. Um, Sean Campion, thank you. Your report is NYCHA 2.0, Progress at Risk. Find it at the CBC website. There's also been some good news coverage of the report um, to connect it to some of the other uh, political happenings and larger atmosphere. We're going to look forward to chatting with NYCHA folks uh, in the near future. And of course, the city's uh, NYCHA plan that this looks at is NYCHA 2.0, released this past December. Thanks for listening. Bye.